Welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Positively You podcast. I cannot even tell you how excited I am about today's guest, Tanya Dalton. I have listened to so many things that Tanya has put out into the world, and her latest book, On Purpose, literally blew my mind. I haven't read a a self-development book in a hot minute. I kind of like put them on the shelf and turned to the world of fiction for a minute, which I hadn't done in a long time. And this was the first one that I picked back up to kind of get back into that. And it was the perfect book. So I cannot wait to dive into this conversation with Tanya. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I mean, after that introduction, I mean, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Okay. So this isn't your first book you wrote. It's your second book. I'm just curious, was the process different, harder, the same? Did you know what to expect? Well, I think it's kind of like having kids like you have the first one you feel like you kind of have it down and then the second one happens and you're like wait I didn't know anything with that first one it's a constant learning curve and that really is true too with a book a book is like birthing a child only it's a much longer gestation um with the first book with joy of missing out it was it was such a everything was fresh and new and unique kind of like your first kid right Second book, Harper Collins asked me to write a second book after The Joy of Missing Out came out and did so well. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll write a book on goal setting. No problem. You know, I've taught thousands of women how to set and achieve goals. I sat down. I mapped it all out. I had a beautiful outline of what I was going to write and when I was going to write it. Everything laid out. That was in February of 2020. And then March of 2020 happened, which, of course, is when the world just went crazy because all of a sudden we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm homeschooling kids that I never anticipated homeschooling. (laughs) So I have kids at home, I'm trying to run a business and there was no way I could write this book. I mean, there was no possible way. So I kept getting kind of like, okay, I'll have to deal with that later, pushed aside. And what was amazing is I had this very pregnant pause. Honestly, it was like this beautiful pause. The whole world hit pause for a little bit. And I started to pay attention to these conversations I was hearing of what people were thinking about. And there was a lot of those questions about like, what is it I'm here to do? Is this, is this what life is really about? I feel like I've been living life on repeat. And what's amazing is I was able to take that beautiful outline I had created, rip it up, throw it in the trash and start fresh because I realized goals are not the goal. Goals are just the vehicle to get us to that life we really want. And it's really so much bigger. It's about living on purpose every single day. So to answer your question, it was a totally different process (laughs) because I literally threw everything that I knew from writing book number one out the window and dove deep into letting this book begin to breathe life into, into me, into itself. And it really allowed the book to take me where I felt like the journey needed to go. And so it was a little loosening up of the reins, which was beautiful and crazy for someone like me who loves to plan. Um, But 
I thoroughly enjoyed the process because I feel like we write books, those of us who write books, because they're the books that we need to read ourselves, mm. right? It, either I needed to read it at some point in my life or in the moment as I was going through it. And I'm so proud of, of what came out of that. The, the book on purpose is vastly different than that outline I created in February of 2022 or 2020. I can't even remember what year it is. <laughs> February None of us can. <laughs> right? Um, and and I'm, so, I'm so grateful for that. So yeah. there's always silver linings, even in the tough things in life, like going through a pandemic. Yeah. I love that, like the lessons of just even the background of the book and how it came to be. There's so many life lessons just in that before you even dive into the actual book, which I completely loved. And I love that you relate that to like having children because it is, you like have the one and you're like so confident, like I got this. And then a second one comes and you're like, I yep. know nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, that trend just continues. Like you, you feel like you hit a patch where you've got parenting figured out and all of a sudden they're at a new phase <laughs> and all of a sudden they're doing new things and you don't know what you're doing all over again. It's just a constant, you know, repetition of figuring things out, just kind of like life in general. Absolutely. So you started out setting a goal setting book and then shifted everything, ripped it up to on purpose. So what does it mean to be living on purpose? Mm, yeah, I think that that's the big question because I feel like a lot of times people hear that word purpose and it feels really heavy, like yeah. purpose. Like I've got to find my now. purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And we feel like we have this one giant purpose and we don't know what it is. And we almost just want to hide because it's too big and scary and overwhelming. And the truth is living on purpose. It's not about changing who you are. It's rising up and becoming the best version of you. It's looking out at that horizon and seeing this bright, beautiful tomorrow that you dream about, and then working each day to get closer to that beautiful vision you have for your future. So it's really that double entendre of living to a purpose, really discovering what your purpose is, which we dive into in the book. And then also that on purpose idea of living with intention, really being active in making choices so that you go to bed at night and it feels amazing because you know you're doing work that gets you closer to that vision you have for tomorrow and the mm. next day and 10 years down the road and so forth. Yeah. I love that. And it does, it can feel like such a paralyzing question. I think of like, mm -hmm. what's my purpose or what's my passion? Like, what am I on this earth to do? And so many times we just like push that off. Like I'll deal with that yeah. later. I'll figure it out later. I'm still it's young. So I don't big. know. Well, and there's so many things that fill our life, right? Like we're moms, we're busy. We've got like 1500 things on our to-do list that if you have figure out my purpose on there too, it's like, okay, well, dinner needs to be made. Laundry needs to be done. All of the things. Yep. And I can see how we wake up one day and life is just gone and we aren't living it. We're just, it's busy and it's full, but are we really living our life? Yeah. Are we really being intentional? I think so often we are chasing busy. We are doing a thousand things on our to-do list and we're busy all day long. And then we fall into bed at night. We're exhausted. We're overwhelmed. And we think to ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? Or I'm the worst. I didn't do these things. And I think so often it's because we're caught up in this trap of thinking we need to do 50 things that if we're not busy, we're somehow failing right? Mm -hmm. We fall into prey. We fall prey to this idea that we should be constantly earning our value, earning our worth by doing. And truthfully, when we do less, but when we do less things, but things that truly matter more, that's when we slip into bed. That's when we go to bed and we go, oh, 
today felt amazing. Today felt incredible. I'm amazing. And the truth is, if you're not going to bed at night on a regular basis, feeling like your days are amazing, that's a red flag. That's time to stop, step back, take a deep breath and really assess what am I doing? Do I like what I'm doing? Am I happy with what I'm doing each and every day? Because what we do with our days, with our time, that is a choice. It sometimes feels like it's not because we're just caught in this loop of what we're supposed to do, or what we should be doing. Both red flag words should be <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and have to and supposed to. All of those are, are things for us to question. I, I think we lose that magic of being three years old and asking that question, why? And those of you with a three-year-old know uh, that a three-year-old can ask why five million times and then ask it a million more times. We we lose that as we step into adulting and we stop questioning things. We just try to solve things. Instead of saying, why isn't this better? We just go, I just need to fix this or this is just how it is. And the truth is diving into the why, that gets you the answers you want so that you can really start living that life that feels meaningful, that feels significant, that feels successful. Yeah. I loved that part of the book where you talked about diving into the why. And I think it was like five whys and, and really just going deeper. And, you know, that is hard work to do to really, because it's easy to kind of just accept like the surface level excuses that we give ourselves. Mm -hmm. But when we really can like go a little bit deeper and find out that why we find out that we have so much power to change it. Yes. I think that's what's so powerful about that word why. I think why is one of the best questions we can ask ourselves over and over again. It really is channeling your inner three-year-old because when we start diving into it, we get to the root cause. So in the book, I have a, a little activity or a process that I call the fifth why that I love because you can literally do it while you're in the shower, while you're driving in a car, because it's asking that question why five times. When something is a supposed to, or I should be doing this, asking yourself, why, why is that something I think I should be doing? And then asking why again and asking it again and asking five times to really get to that root. And usually what you'll find is there's some story there. There's Mm -hmm. some deep limiting belief that tells you a good mom does this or a bad mom does this or a good friend does these things, right? Or a good person And when we realize that these stories are not even real or they're not even stories that we want, we can pull them up and we can change them for ourselves. And that is incredibly powerful. That question why is is one of the best things we can do in our lives because we do tend to live life on repeat. We think, oh, this is just how things are. Or, you know, when you're a new mom, you're not supposed to have time to shower. No, no, that's not true, right? Or when you're a mom, you're supposed to put your dreams aside because now it's all about your kids. No, not a true story. Let's dive into that. What's causing these stories to come up for you? And then let's bring those up, bring them to light. When they're at, when we bring them to the light of day, we're able to really see that they're not really truths. They're actually lies that are holding us back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, along the same line of, of asking why, and you keep mentioning your, your three-year-old self and going back to that, you talk in the book a lot about using our past to help us decide what we want in the future. How do you, Um, how do you use that? Yeah. So, well, you know, we kind of touched on this idea earlier that that word purpose feels so heavy. It feels so Mm -hmm. weighted because we feel like we have no idea what it possibly could be, right? And the truth is your purpose is really hidden in your past. 
we just don't like to dive into our past because it's filled with all kinds of things we don't want to think about. Things like trauma and failure and right things that didn't go wrong, mistakes. And here's the truth. We've all got them. Our, our pasts are all littered with all of those things. But truthfully, if we dive into our past, if we look at the things in our life from our childhood and beyond, we can start to really find not just the amazing trophies, the things that we loved and we did well, but also the things we didn't like. You know, the truth is, if I said right now to your listeners, I want you to make a list of 20 things you think you want for the future, 20 things. You might go, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Like, gosh, 20 is so many. But if I said, okay, I want you to write down 20 things you don't want, 20 things you would never want to repeat, 20 things that you wouldn't want to have happen to you. You'd say only 20. I can come up with like 50 or hundred, <laughs> like 10 minutes. Right. And when we know what we don't want, it's so powerful because we can push against that regret and we can find resilience. We can see what we want when it's really clear what we don't want. So starting there is really powerful. Even starting with the shiny trophies of our past, the things that we liked, uh, you know, like think about who you were when you were younger, when you were a young girl, what were the things you were passionate about that got you really excited? What did you want to be when you grew up? And then you can ask yourself why, right? So let's say, let's say that you love softball. Let's say that softball was like this amazing thing that you, you had so much fun doing. Okay. Your purpose is probably not to be a professional softball player. But why did you like softball? Was it being outside? Was it moving your body? Was it the team aspect of it? Right? Same thing with what did you want to be when you grew up? Why did you want to be a, a teacher or an astronaut or, or the president? Why did you want to be Wonder Woman? Okay, we're not really going to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> but why did you want to be her? Was it because she stood for truth and justice? Was it because she stood up as a role model for generations of young girls was it, you know, how she really fought against the, the bad things in the world? Why did you want these things? Why did you like them? Going back to that three-year-old, right? And asking that question, why? And when we start mining in our past, we can lay it all out in front of us. And it's so full of ideas. And all of a sudden you remember, oh, I love these things. And they start combining together. And you're like, this is really what I want more of in my life. That's really mm. powerful. That is so powerful. And one of the favorite things that you mentioned is how easy it is to do this exercise. I don't know about you or you listening, but I do my best thinking in the shower and in the car. And so these are great places to like, just kind of be with yourself and dive into these questions a little bit. And I think not that this is the easier part of it, but sometimes like the thinking and the planning is the easier part. It's the taking action that we might get like tripped up on. So mm -hmm. I, I know that's where I get stuck a lot. I'm like, okay, I, I know why, but like, I still don't have the time or like, I might be, I need, need to do it perfect. So if I don't have all my ducks yes. in a row, I can't get started quite yet. Um, you know, the, the perfectionism or the procrastination and not, not being able to take action on that. So is that where you see like you getting stuck or other people getting stuck? Is that a thing or am I alone in this? Oh, you are definitely not alone this. No, not at all. I mean, honestly, especially perfectionism, that is, that is something that hinders so many women. I like to say that perfectionism is just a mask that procrastination wears. We use that as an excuse that, oh, I don't have everything figured out. You're never going to have it all figured out. Even people who look like they have it all figured out, 
they don't have it all figured out. <laughs> it's nope. kind of like we talked about earlier. You get one kid, you think you have it figured out, second comes along. Doesn't mean you're going to say, well, never mind, I'm not going to parent anymore. You figure it out. Same thing, right? But here's the thing it, it really is about the small steps. I think so often we falsely believe it's only the giant leaps that really count or that really matter. When in truth, it's the small, tiny, itty bitty little steps in our lives that are going to get us where we want to go. In the book, I talk about this idea that the where we are now and where we want to go, that space in between them is this giant chasm like the Grand Canyon. And so we believe we have to like tinker together and create this like jetpack to zoom us across the Grand Canyon in 20 seconds flat. When the truth is, if we just took one small step in front of the next, one foot in front of the other, we would make our way down the canyon walls. You can cross the Grand Canyon in a day yes. by putting one foot in front of the other. And we lose sight of that in our life. If we just take one small step each day, like gifting yourself 10 minutes a day to do one tiny thing to get you closer to a goal or a dream, that adds up. That starts to compound interest over and over. And all of a sudden, those small steps add up to giant steps or big, huge leaps. You know, a lot of times we undervalue those small steps. Have you ever been for like a hike or a walk and you get to a point and you think, oh my gosh, I can't go any, any further. But then you stop and you look back at how far you've come. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can do this. Look how far I've already come, right? Yeah. Sometimes you have to look backwards in order to see how, how far forward you can really move. That's the same thing. All those small steps got you halfway up the hill. Once you're halfway there, you didn't even realize it. You look back and you're like, wow, all those steps counted. Now I can keep going. So don't undervalue this, the messy, small, tiny steps that you can take. It doesn't have to be all figured out. In fact, when we don't have it all figured out, we're so much more innovative. This is how some of the best inventions, the best innovations in our world have, have been discovered truthfully it's through mistakes it's from trying it's from experimenting it's by being willing to be messy and being okay with that yeah a hundred percent hearing you say the small steps that is one of my biggest things that I advocate for all the time and every time I hear another expert saying that I'm like yes thank you the small <laughs> steps we discount those so yeah. often and the one thing that I loved about your book too is they're so like, please go pick it up. You guys, it's so good. The audio version is great, but the, the actual book, you have so many drawings and graphs and visuals in there. So if you're a visual learner, like the, the graph you had about when you were taking your kids on a road trip and it was like those little steps, those little mile markers. So good. So I just, again, I can't sing enough praises for it, but the idea of, of looking back and seeing those steps, I think that proof is really important as well because we mm -hmm. do, we can get, we might think like, okay, yeah, it is the small steps. It is the small steps, but then you get so exhausted thinking like, but this is taking forever. And so having that proof behind you, so huge. Another place where I think people might get tripped up then, like, I'm just, I'm just going to throw all of the detours and roadblocks <laughs> just at keep you. throwing them at me. It's good. <laughs> it's like, but what about? So what about the person who is too passionate? Like, okay, mm -hmm. I've gone back. I've looked at all the things, but like, I like this and I like this and this shiny thing. And I think, I mean, especially in the world of like entrepreneurism, 
where I've kind of been for a little bit, you're always told to like niche down, right? Find your one thing, smaller, smaller, smaller. And I think we've all kind of gotten that ingrained in us now that it's really hard to be like, actually, you can be multi-passionate. You can have all of these things. And I know that that's something that I struggled with where I was like, okay, I have to have like the one thing, like my one purpose, my one passion. But then it's like, but all these other shiny, like, can we be multi-passionate? Yeah. Like, is that, (laughs) is that a thing? Can we, can we be a multi-passionate person? Yeah, we can, we're all multi-passionate. Truthfully, if you were to scour the planet, every corner of the planet, you would not find a single person that's like, nope, one thing, only like one thing, right? I mean, we're multi-passionate about our family members. We have multiple family members, multiple hobbies. It's okay to be multi-passionate. What's not okay is to use that as your excuse. So that's the kind of caveat there. You can't say, well, I can't do this because I like so many other things. And this is one of the things that I I encounter a lot when I'm working with women in their businesses is they're like, well, I have like 17 businesses I want to start. And I'm like, okay, but you're one person, right? And they're like, well, Amazon does all this. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, but Amazon started selling only books. Amazon only sold books for a very long time. And then Amazon started selling other paper goods, other office supplies. They didn't start by buying Whole Foods and selling groceries. They were very niched. And then as they felt really comfortable and confident, then they took on more and they expanded. And it's the same thing for for all of us. We can do a few things very, very well. We can't do everything really, really well. We end up doing everything kind of halfway or feeling scattered and worn out. So there's an exercise that I walk through in the book about the multi-passionate person. How do you really figure out what you're passionate about if you don't take the time to really write it out? And then I walk you through an exercise that makes it really, really clear. Oh, this is where I wanna focus. But here's the thing too, just because that's where you focus doesn't mean you throw everything else away. So for example, when I was, so I had my first business, I started my first business in 2008, started it with 50 bucks with the goal of bringing my husband on board, absorbing his income, was able to do that within about a year, scaled it, grew it, wasn't passionate about it. And then I was like, I want to close it down, even though it paid all of our bills, (laughs) even though it fed my kids the three meals a day that they do like to have. I decided that we were going to close it down. And I was like, okay, what do I want to do? What if there is nothing that I really want to do? What if there's too many things, right? So one of the things I explored was I really love building things. I really love power tools. I love knocking down walls and rebuilding them. And actually when I was really stressed and trying to figure out this whole decision, I tore apart my whole deck and rebuilt it (laughs) um, because that's what I love to do. But when I dove in and I started seeing what are these different things I'm really passionate about, I knew I wanted to start Inkwell Press. I knew I wanted to work with women and really help redefine productivity. That doesn't mean I don't still love building things. So every year for my birthday, my birthday is always over like, Memorial Day weekend because it's Mm. in May. I take the long weekend and I build something over the weekend. I build plans for it. I map it out. I get out my power tools. I go to the lumber yard and I build a piece of furniture because I love doing it. But I don't spend every day building furniture. I kind of compartmentalize it and I spend a good amount of time really diving deep into that passion of mine. Doesn't mean I've forgotten it. I just don't let it be the main focus for my day. My main focus is what I'm most passionate about, which is helping women really understand that productivity is not about doing more. It's doing what's most important. What I'm talking about right here today. 
Yeah. Yeah. And just like what you were saying, what's most important is going to be different for every single person. Oh, I love that. And you do, you do have such a good visual of this, of like the time and when, like when certain things are going to take priority and something else takes a little bit of not a backseat, but just kind of like not a hundred percent on this. It's living on purpose really is just taking a minute to be intentional and just like looking at it. And we live this lie and I know it because I believed it for so long until I started asking myself why. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of, but I'm too busy. I can't even like sit down to like plan this. I mean, I even have the excuse of, you know, the weeks where I don't meal plan because I was just so busy and I didn't take the time to meal plan. And then that week goes to hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> it to- totally does. I am right there with you, <laughs> you know? And so it really is like, we, I think we make this living intentional and like taking the time to ask ourselves these questions and, and plan it out and figure it out. We make it so much harder and so much bigger in our mind that we just keep going on autopilot, but really your life becomes so beautiful. Like just the process of going through the book too, you can just see this like evolution of like, oh my gosh, you've gone from hamster wheel and frazzled and going to bed at the end of the night, tired, but not really accomplishing anything to getting to this point where, like you said, you're going to bed at night excited and feeling fulfilled. And I think that that is so important. And we just, we just pass it by with these lies and stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. I think the question is, why am I busy? What am I busy doing? A lot of times we say yes to anything and everything that comes knocking on the door. Even if we don't like who's knocking or what they're bringing, (laughs) we feel like the opportunity only knocks once. So we have to open the door. We have to let it in. Right. And the truth is a lot of times that's filled with a lot of obligation and expectation. Going back to some of those red flag words of should, I should be doing this, or I'm supposed to be doing this, or a good mom bakes 75 dozen brownies for the bake fair or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And, and a lot of times we need to actively make that choice of what do I want to say yes to? Because every time we say yes, we're saying no to something else. So when you're saying yes to the things you're not really passionate about, the things that don't really excite you, you're saying no to so many other things. A lot of times we're saying no to time with our families, no to our own goals, no to our passion projects, no to the hobbies that we love, because we're saying yes out of obligation, out of guilt, out of worry about what other people are going to think of us. When the truth is, if we set these beautiful boundaries of what we want to say yes to and what we want to say no to, that's so freeing for us because then we're able to dive deep into the work that really lights our soul on fire. Don't undervalue work that sets your soul on fire. You know, I think so often we just think we're supposed to say yes all the time. And if you chose to say no to those things that don't really excite you, because let's be honest, when you're showing up for those things, you're not really all there. You're a little bit frustrated. You're a little bit irritated. You're a little bit impatient with it because you didn't really want to do it in the first place. So that's not the best version of you. And when, I don't know about you, but when I'm showing up as not the best version of Tanya, I'm not the best wife. I'm not the best mom. I'm not the best person in the world. I'm snappish. I'm irritable. I'm angry, right? Yeah. I want to show up as the best version of me for everyone in my life. And that means choosing to do things that truly do get me excited. So I actually, in The Joy of Missing Out, my first book, there's a whole chapter on saying yes and saying no and how you can say no with grace, because I think that is a really hard thing. No is a complete sentence is such a great thing to say. It's such a difficult thing to live. So I even have like a little strategy that I walk you through of how you can say no and feel really good 
saying no and how the other person walks away feeling really good when you say no to them as well, oh. which is important too. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was like, okay, but like we can identify the things that we maybe want to say no to, but I think there's so many of us that have the hardest time. And that, that, that you said no is a complete sentence that changed my life. It, like you said, easier said than done, like hard, easy to say, hard Mm -hmm. to practice. I remember like texting, like, no, I can't. And being like, oh my gosh, please don't hate me. Please like, don't. And guess what? The sky is still there. Like the world didn't end. It's all okay. So two great books for you to go get on purpose. And then Tanya's first book, The Joy of Missing Out, because both of those will help you so much. I could talk to you, Tanya, for hours probably, but I don't (laughs) want to. I know your time is valuable. This has been so, so good. Her book, you guys, if you got anything out of this, the book is like a hundred times what this conversation was. So please, please, please go get it. And Tanya, I know there's a hundred other places they can probably find you. Where's the best place to go if they are just eating you up in Walmart? Yeah, well, I would say, honestly, one of the easiest and fastest things you can do is right after this podcast ends, whatever podcast player you're listening to, do a search for The Intentional Advantage, which is the name of my podcast, or just search by my name and you can follow my podcast there. Um, or you can go to my website, tanyadalton.com, and that has all kind that has all my podcast episodes. We're on 270 some odd episodes at this point. Um, and it has access to my books and all the extras because there's lots of bonuses and extras that come along with my book, free resources, um, and everything and anything about me. So tanyadalton.com or the intentional advantage just on your podcast player. Awesome. And I'll make it even easier for you. And it's right there in the show notes. So you just have to click it. You don't even have to go search. So again, Tanya, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. If you want to take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jesse, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing week.